0: Well, hey everybody, welcome to Artifice Episode 19. Today I'm talking with my friend Mel Shore. Melanie Shore's dynamic musical fluency on the piano has established her as an accomplished performer, sought after studio musician, and award winning composer and arranger. Over her career, she has performed with an array of artists including Chuck Berry, Il Divo, Leia Salonga, and David Archuleta. Melanie most recently completed her stay as associate music director and conductor for the first U.S. national tour of Roald Dahl and Tim Minchin's Matilda the Musical. When not performing, arranging, or touring, Melanie gives back to the community by serving as a clinician for school-aged jazz bands. She holds a master's degree in jazz studies from the University of Utah and is an associate professor of jazz piano at Snow College, University of Utah, and Utah Valley University. All right. Here comes Mel. Sometimes art feels like magic, pure, visionary, and sometimes it's brought to you in part by focus groups and algorithms. And the makers of art are no different. We're creatives, sure, but we're also salespeople. We need imagination and imitation. We need deep, meaningful connections, but we also have to network. Yep, even if you're an introvert. And that's my point. Balancing vulnerability with veneer is tricky, and it's a struggle we don't often share. So let's share. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. This episode of Artifice is brought to you by Blue Sheet. Blue Sheet creates WordPress website themes and design templates that have helped tens of thousands of entrepreneurs build a beautiful online presence. For those of us who are professional creatives, it's so important to have a website that looks and feels as artful as the art you make. But we all know it's easier said than done. When I found Blue Chic a few years ago, I was blown away by their gorgeous themes and purchased mine without hesitation. I had absolutely no web design experience or skills, but Blue Chic's amazing documentation empowered me to build a site I can really be proud of. Head to www.bluchic.com to see which theme works best for you and use promo code BCARTIFICE for 10% off your purchase today. like I'm trying to kill like so many birds with so few stones with this project um it's like, cool I need to learn how to edit like software also like I need to talk to people yeah, and like right. I'm so busy that I never do so like if I make it like a project I'm I'll do it, it. <laughs> like I'm,
1: I'll I'll figure yeah. it out I'm the same I've been doing some just like video piano videos but it's like it would be great if someone could come video me and then do the audio engineering and then make stuff not sound echoey and then make my videos look good, but no one's going to do it.
0: Yeah, I know. So I'm
1: doing the same thing. Like got to figure out how to
0: do these things, getting
1: out of trauma by learning new things.
0: Yes, ma'am.
1: Welcome to the staying
0: busy and staying like the trauma podcast. Um, (laughs) did I ever tell you there's this podcast? Maybe you've heard of it. I'm sure someone's recommended it. It's called, um, terrible thanks for asking <laughs> have you I heard of it I've just
1: seen the name but i've not listened to it so
0: i started listening to it and
1: oh Barry, you're on my cable Bear.
0: can i have a little more um yeah it's called terrible thanks for asking and it's about this woman who whose husband died um and she interviews people who are just like going through crappy stuff and like
1: is her name Nora? Yes. Okay. She started Hot Young Widows Club. Oh really? That. Do you know about that?
0: No, it's but so funny. it's weird because I started listening to that podcast. Um and then I re- like her husband died of the same cancer my mom had. So oh. it's like she was kind of talking about it and I was like, That sounds like the same anyway. So oh, weird small world things.
1: So have you put your podcast out yet?
0: Yes. Okay. I have nice. I have um 13 episodes out. Awesome. We're already recording, so I can I oh. can cut the beginning. But. Hello. <laughs> yeah, Hi get, that, get that nice and close to your cute I'm face. I'm not used to the mic. I'm a piano player. <laughs> you sing too, don't you? Don't you? Do I mean like, like, like uh, background uh, vocals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these I like using these like close range mics because then we don't get as much of like each other's sound. In the mic, and then I don't have to be a better editor than I am.
1: (laughs) Seriously, I feel you.
0: Yeah, you know, one skill, one skill at a time. I know, one day at a time. I know, right?
1: (laughs) uh, So
0: I, like I said before we started, this is just like a conversation about like what your life as an artist is like, what goes on in the background, what like affects it. We can talk about seriously anything related, Um, but. I try to kind of like organize it into three sections just to help myself not get too distracted. Okay. So I, I like to start with like what I think is usually kind of an easy part for people, which is like, how did you start? How did you get these skills? Um, and so I kind of think like from, you know, kind of as early as you can remember having done like creative stuff or even like what you're told you were doing up until like maybe kind of around the time where you're like, I might pursue this as a career. So like, what was the beginning like for you? When did you start playing piano or were you doing other music stuff beforehand or other creative stuff?
1: Well, I grew up the daughter of a piano teacher.
0: Okay, so, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, so it was always around. My mom taught piano lessons after school for kids. Um, so I, I just remember always being around it and I was yeah. super stoked to start lessons. And I even went to the front door when I was five and I rang the doorbell oh, with no. my books. You're at
0: your house? Yeah. That's so cute. I know. You're like, wait, your mom's a piano teacher. Yes. You're like, mom, it's time for my lesson. Yes.
1: Like, do I get a notebook too? Do I get stickers too? Oh
0: my gosh, that's amazing. So, I love that story.
1: Yeah, it was really fun. Um, so I, I just played. I loved it. I never felt stressed out about practicing. Everything was yeah. just fun all the time. And I, I ended up. I did switch teachers a couple times when I was progressing, and then in high school I started accompanying for choirs, or I guess junior high. Um, and I also played in band in junior high. So cool. I started with clarinet, and then I did trumpet. Cool. And then was doing the accompanying for, uh, for their madrigal group in junior high. Cool. And church choir. Are you from here? Yeah. You're
0: I'm from, from Utah. Okay. Utah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um. When did you, like, you have perfect pitch, right? Mm-hmm. When when did that become clear to people around you?
1: I didn't really know what it was until my mom told me. But I remember she was telling me about it when I was in seventh grade. I remember I was playing clarinet at the time. And she said, oh, did you know that there's this thing where people just know what the notes are without a piano? And it blew my mind. Yeah. No. Uh, so she explained it to me. Yeah. And I figured out that I had it. I wow. just had never really tested it out. So... It, um, I actually only knew three notes dead on for sure. A hundred percent of the time, okay. the rest of them were a little bit fuzzy. So yeah, then I kind of just used, every, you know, every time I was by a piano, I would have somebody play a yeah. note where I would try to guess what they were. I would listen to car horns or the school bell, Interesting. kind of use the relative pitch sort of stuff to yeah, kind of go against figure out. Yeah.
0: I can, like, I usually can guess, like, pretty close, but I, like, do not. Like, it's muscle memory for me. So, like, if I'm sick or something, I'll be totally wrong. I'm like, yeah. this feels like a G. Like, it's not a sound thing. It's just, like... <laughs> it's, like, D-flat. <laughs> yeah. I know. If I'm if I'm sick, I'm like, oh, geez, that feels real high today.
1: Yeah. Um, when I'm there, sick, it messes my pitch up, too. Really? Yeah. Or if That's I'm on so certain antibiotics, I'm like... Oh, yeah, that's definitely enough. Do you think it has to do with, like, pressure in your ears or something? It must have. Why like, why? That's so weird. Yeah, I'll hear it flat.
0: Well, the reason I ask is I feel like we kind of, like, mythologize children with perfect pitch and kind of, like, you know, treat them like they're a prodigy or something. Um, I, I like to talk to people about, like like, I think one of my sort of theories is that a lot of us who become professional artists of like any kind. So like, I don't know if you know, but like I'm only interviewing some musicians. Like a lot of the people I'm interviewing are other kinds of artists. Oh, cool. So, um, you know, cause I'm just interested in like, what are the things we have in common? Um, because all of our lives are so strange. Like when, you know, any of the careers where like you tell people what you do and they're like, what? Like, really? How do you, you paint um but I think like lots of times we expect that people that like do that as a living like were a prodigy um, and so I like to kind of gather stories about like what was difficult for you as a child like how did you like build this skill set um, and I think I just want to ask you like did you feel like people, like, had expectations of you. It sounds like you were, like, a little older than some kids, like, realizing you had perfect pitch.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm not sure if I had a lot of expectations on me. I was an only child until I was nine. Okay. And my parents were probably just glad to finally have a kid. Yeah. Because it took them a long time to have me. But I never felt pressure from my parents. Uh, and I equally did sports as much as I did cool. music. So yeah. it actually came to a point in high school where – I had to choose between the two because they were yeah. like sixes on what I was good at. So I never took it too seriously. Cool. It and the way that just my personality is, if it's fun, great, I'll do it. Yeah, like, let's keep doing it.
0: So how like how much did you like practice? I know that's like an impossible question to answer, but like what was practice like for you?
1: I have asked my mom this and I don't know if I've ever gotten a straight answer because now that I'm a teacher like okay practice yeah and and all I remember is when I was going to go to a new piano teacher that was the university teacher while I was in high school they said well if you go to her you're gonna have to practice two hours a day and I was like that's so much and and I look back I'm like that was nothing yeah (laughs) so I because it was so fun for me yeah and I'm also a good sight reader I think it kind of clipped a lot of the hard work off yeah um so I don't know. I And I was never regimented. I, I didn't do like yeah. anything that I tell my students now to do because yeah. I just couldn't focus.
0: I don't think I did either. Like I just was thinking about this yesterday because I have this new student who's like 10 or 11. And I was talking with her mom. I was like texting with her mom after the lesson about like, you know, just practice. And I was like, I just I don't want you to give her like a practice routine. I think it's a little different for voice too because it's it's singing is something that like you can like just do where like maybe playing the piano isn't you know what i mean like it doesn't mean you can do it well if you're just singing but like anybody can choose to sing you know what i mean mm-hmm. anyway i was talking with her and just saying like i think the most important thing is just that like it stays joyful for her but it's so hard i wonder about that as a teacher all the time like you know what i was a kid I just played. Like I sat at the piano a lot and just like noodled around. I remember like, you know, looking ahead in the book and like trying to find things that like looked pretty and like try to kind of figure them out. Um were you like, do you feel like maybe you weren't thinking of things as like practice, but you were kind of just like it was gooping? more play. Yeah. yeah.
1: Just what you had described with how you were learning stuff. Same for me. Yeah. So yeah, it was more play. Yeah it never got too serious otherwise yeah. i would have just you like stitched it
0: yeah i i don't know what do you think about that now in ter- like how what do you tell your students or like how do you deal with that
1: i i think man even just watching the progression of how difficult and stressful kids lives are or even the past 10 years yeah with you know different stressors than we had to deal with as like a 10 year old or whatever yeah um you have to get creative in how you approach that. So I have to assess each student individually. And yeah. some students are goal-oriented. Some want to have the box they check up. Some need to check in with me, like I have a student. yeah, And she's like, I want to get better, but I'm so lazy. She's hilarious. <laughs> That's what my
0: little gal said yesterday. She was like, I just want to be a couch potato.
1: <laughs> she needs to <laughs> hang out with my student. Lucy, I have a friend for you. I
0: got mine's Lexi, so they're like a perfect little pair. Oh,
1: perfect. <laughs> yeah. And so with her, it's like, okay, I have to, it's more effort on my part. I have to keep them engaged. But yeah. for, for my student Lucy, she actually sends me videos of her playing. I love and that. We go through, it's like, what can you do Wednesday? Or students that have a lot of sports, like, okay, let's go through your schedule yeah. and then they take part in it. So um, luckily, my students right now, are I think the youngest is 10 and then it goes all the way through college and like adults and everything um but they all are pretty hardworking and accountable and so they are students that I can do that with and I don't have to harp on their mom or anything yeah but goal-oriented stuff uh looking at week by week what's happening or day by day yeah and because I think it's there, there's the old like, okay, we'll practice 30 minutes a day. And it's like, it it doesn't doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
0: I don't even think that necessarily works for adults. Like it it depends on what your goals are. Like you said, you know, like some goals are best achieved by like, you know, spending like one kind of whole day a month, you know, like being kind of honest about like, what is going to be the best way to like, get good at this. And sometimes it's just giving yourself like, like a long period of like unregimented time to just like s- simmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how I am anyway. Me
1: too. I'm the same with like everything in my life. If it's running, like I hate running. I hate running too. But if I try to do it to some sort of app where it's like, okay, run now, it's like, no, then my body gets tense and I suck. Yeah. But if I just like leave myself room to breathe, it's fine. So yeah. Um. also my goals for helping the kids with this, I know most of them are not going to be professional piano players or musicians. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I'm always mindful of that. Uh, and then my goal is, well, they are going to have to learn how to do goals or develop a skill that's a yes. lifelong thing. And so. I feel
0: that way too. Yeah.
1: Like if they have a really hard week at school, it's like, I'm not going to be like, you're the worst. Yeah. Fire. Like that happened to me. Yeah. I'm never going to be like that as yeah. a teacher. And. So just kind of navigating if I know I have these kids just for a few years, I can be a mentor to them and also help them goal set mm-hmm. and, and help relieve some of the anxiety in their lives with also progressing. Yeah. So yeah, I, I try to teach from that approach and help students from that approach.
0: I think that's so important. Like, I, I fully agree. Um I think like, I try to talk with my students about like, what is the actual skill that we're working on? Is it like communication? Like for my voice students, because like one thing that's kind of unique about voice is like you can't see it or touch it. So we have to communicate a lot about like, what does it feel like, you know? Um, And so like even just having the words to describe, like what are you experiencing? That's like a hard skill. (laughs) I still can't do it. It's really hard. (laughs) I think I'm like, I think I'm like kind of good at it. My therapist's like, you just like, yeah, that's, that's what that is. And I'm like, this is because this is because this is what my job is. (laughs) Um, So I want to ask you about like, just while we're kind of talking about this, I'm so fascinated by like, what are the origins of creativity? And like, I think we probably both agree that like everyone's creative. Do you think that's true?
1: Yeah, I think everybody has the potential for creativity. So
0: do you think, like, as someone who works with kids and then, like, high school, college-age adults, do you think there's, like, anything that's kind of, like, different about, like, people who, like, keep working on those skills and, like, nurturing them into adulthood and kind of, like, you know, becoming, like, excellent in their thing like I know that's yeah. loaded but like what do you do you have theories about it
1: um kind of like on on long term yeah, just like, picking away at a skill what's the
0: difference between like the student who like really likes it and like does become a professional musician or or could you know and the student who like says to you that they want to like be a be like a, a a musician but like you kind of feel like it's not happening yeah. if things are continuing this way. Like, do you know, to, what do you think? Do you have theories about like, whether there's like a something?
1: Ah, uh, I, I think it it just depends of course so much on the person. But uh, for example, I have a student that I think he's 15 now, 15 or 16. And he started jazz lessons with me a couple of years ago. And, and so did his friend and his friend actually is super, super, talented as far as like just innate musical ability with listening to stuff. But um, he's not as hard of a worker. Yeah. And then I have this current student, the other student I was originally talking about. And his personality is just so like, I'm just gonna try this out. And he does have talent as well as the other kid. Yeah. But I've noticed just, just his attitude that's like, Oh, if I make a mistake here, oh, it's okay. I'll learn yeah, from it. Yeah, that kind of
0: like creative resilience. Yeah. I'm obsessed with it.
1: And and to be honest, I never learned any of that from any of my classical training. I mm-hmm. I started learning that when I was getting into the jazz and the pop stuff and yeah. songwriting and everything because, um, and that's not bashing on classical at all or, or just your experience? it's just as like well here in classical you have the notes on a page you know exactly what your notes should be
0: there it's not really vulnerable maybe
1: yeah it's like you um it's of course very important like you deal with a lot of technical stuff you still yeah. deal deal with musicality uh you deal with executing a piece you're proficient at it but you never change the notes that are written on the page yeah and so then cross over to jazz or pop and yeah, maybe they're not as technically regimented or or anything, but you do, you look at a chord symbol and it's like, Mm -hmm. you have to make so many choices. Mm -hmm. Not only the right notes, but what rhythm are you going to do or what voicing are you going to do if you're a pianist? And so, um, so I actually grew up doing classical. I switched to jazz in college and it was like, mind-blowing and thing. I was sad <laughs>
0: okay <laughs> I want to talk sad. about that but okay so do you feel like you had was there anything like before you went to college that you felt like you had to like work through
1: musically or like
0: with yeah my musical personality? or personality like I mean I think if music is your profession like you can't separate those other things so I would say like yeah anything that you kind of felt like you know uh, affected your like musicianship in like those you know the first two decades of your life
1: so when i got to high school i was doing a lot of accompanying for voice teachers and that really helped me a ton just to be able to listen to other people mm. and when i did the instruments in band in junior high and high school that helped me to be able to read a note you know ahead and do a good yeah. job so those things were really helpful just as sort of basic skills yeah. musicianship skills. Um, also, I had a really tough teacher in high school in high that school. was a little bit... Um,
0: did you get... Like, how scary? did you feel? It, how did oh, you deal with it?
1: It was traumatizing, first of all, but...
0: Do you want to talk about it? Like, uh, like what that trauma's like? <laughs> I mean, because I think those are important conversations yeah. to
1: have. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, this teacher was, as far as, like, teaching the music and getting everybody's attention... She was a great teacher. Yeah. But interpersonal skills definitely were not there. And that's hard as a kid growing up yeah. where you're looking to your adults as people yeah. that are there to help you guide help Believe soften you. the falls or yeah. like mentor you or build you up. And so the first few years of my high school experience were really great because the teacher was like, You're so good. Come accompany for all of my choirs. Like this is
0: that teacher. Yeah, that okay. that
1: specific teacher. And so I was kind of like the golden child of accompanist, which was fun. And, um, but then something happened. I don't know. And it was like my senior year, it totally flipped. And it's not like there was another person coming up that was like, she was replacing me with. Yeah, It just was a personality issue, I think. Um, but I mean, there are a ton of stories from, from people that have gone to my same school that, that are similar to this. And it's like, It just, it was really sad because I saw what could happen when an adult that's in that position of helping mold minds and personalities, they can either do that for good or for bad.
0: It's so true. And
1: now that I'm an adult and I'm a teacher, it's like, oh, I can't believe like the stuff that that teacher pulled. It's uh, unbelievable.
0: I think that kind of stuff is like, that's narcissism. You know, it's like, it's. It's, they get competitive with you. Like it's easy to feel like you're their little prodigy. I never, I, I don't think I ever had a teacher like that, but I had a mom like that. So I get it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think I see that happening. Like where teachers get like threatened by their students. It's ugly. Mm -hmm. It's that's, and it's embarrassing.
1: It's so dumb.
0: (laughs) It's really stupid. Like, I wish I could tell the student, like, this is not about you, but you know, when it's your teacher, it's so, I like I said, I'm glad, I'm, I feel lucky I never had a teacher like that, but I yeah. can imagine.
1: I try and tell my students, like, if they come with a story like that, I'll tell them my experience. Yeah. And just be like, here's what life is like outside of high school. And remember, this person is teaching high school and has never left and done anything else. Not yeah. that there's anything wrong, of course, with teaching. It's like so important with teaching yeah. high school, but it's like,
0: just look at the context. Yeah.
1: It's like, okay. Well, since high school, I've traveled the world. I've MD'd for relatively well-known artists. I've done a lot of projects. Been exposed to a lot of things where it's like you really see how the real world works. Yeah, and so it's like, oh, you're stupid. That's in my mind. That's just what I tell myself. Like this isn't this isn't me. This is not real. Uh, Yeah, or it's like it was not my fault that that teacher behaved to me that way. Yeah, Um, and. But it traumatized me for years, yeah, how did Six like years. how did it like
0: affect your musicianship? um, how I did you keep going?
1: I don't think that I tied in actual music with that person because yeah. I also no i I sort of lied where I, when I said I started learning jazz in college. That's true, but I also was in the jazz band my senior year, but I didn't know what I was doing, yeah, I just was you were in just
0: it. around it,
1: yeah, um. Uh, but thank heavens for the band teacher that let me, my senior year, play clarinet in the band and in regular concert band and then let me be in the the jazz band as a pianist because he was the type that you want in your life. Yeah, And and we could all see by then, you're seniors, you can figure out what's going on. You yeah. can see like the power struggle with, yeah. with the choir teacher that was crazy and then the band teacher that's like a good human that just cares about you. Yeah, So really that person, the band teacher like saved me. From a total downfall. But, I mean, I was ready to, like, quit school. We had to have a couple meetings with the principal and my my parents. It was bad. It was... Really ugly. There was stuff that is probably, like... That happened that was probably against the law. That sounds a little ominous. Like, I don't... Not to get into that, but there were definitely... There was power abuse definitely going on. Um, And, yeah, I also overplayed so much that I had to stop playing. I had to get wrist surgery. Oh my gosh. And the teacher was being like, so
0: young. Yeah. That's so discouraging.
1: It was hard. so I was dealing with a lot of hard things for me at the, that age. Just, I mean, even just having an adult that was being a jerk, I'd never dealt with that. Like yeah. I had, I'm lucky I've had a lot of supportive people in my life. So, yeah. um, but yeah, it took a lot of years to come out of that. Um, it, I don't, I never have really been full of direction with music. Yeah. So I never was like, I want to be a musician. I'm like, I love playing. This is great. Yeah. I also love to play basketball. and Yeah. Tennis. So I was, um, I don't know. I still would play for fun and I loved accompanying yeah. the most. I love playing for singers and like following them and, and creating something with them. Yeah. Where it was, I was an important role, but I was not leading. Mm. So I think that fits my innate personality, but because that's a safe place, it didn't yeah. I didn't even know that I was capable of doing some of the stuff that I have done now. So it did maybe um, because I didn't have that nurturing from a prominent figure in my life at that time. And it was the opposite. It was like uh, cutting me down. It wasn't benign. Yeah. She was the first person that told me like I could not do something. Yeah. I was I remember thinking what? Yeah. (laughs) And my personality is not like I'll show you. It's like, huh let me process that for 6 years.
0: Yeah, same. So, I feel know. that like so hard.
1: <laughs> yeah. But uh, I mean, I, yeah, I ha- it was definitely like trauma, PTSD. I had nightmares from it. Oh my like gosh. It just for wherever my mind was and my personality yeah. at that time. It was really hard. Kinda like
0: your literal brain development, you yeah. know, it's a bad I it's a it's a bad combination of things to be a teenager and having like trauma like that. So, uh, but I also am impressed, like I'd never heard you talk about those things. And I think like the fact that you kept doing music is pretty brave, (laughs) you know? I mean, I think a lot of people like they try to get as far away from like their sources of trauma as possible. So, okay. So how did you decide to, when you decided to like major in music, it was kind of just like, this is what I do.
1: Okay. Well, here is the story to that. Tell me it. Um, I, when I was making the decision to go to college, I was looking at the programs available, and it was like music ed, piano performance. Yeah, piano performance. Is that what it yeah. is? Yeah. And then music therapy. I went to Utah State for a couple of years. And I'm like, well, I I don't want to be a band teacher or a choir teacher. I also do not want to play classical piano for yeah. a lot of hours every day. Yeah. And what am I going to do with that? So Yeah. Um, so... And I didn't know, I think you had to like play guitar and sing. And I didn't yeah. want to sing for music ed or not music, music ed, therapy. Um, music therapy. You so. definitely have to sing. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a good thing I didn't do that. So <laughs> I would have like made people sick instead of healed them. I'm just it. But um, I actually was a business major for a couple of years. Okay, so sweet. my dad is a CPA and I had done some work with him and I, I had big dreams to be a receptionist, <laughs> <laughs> and was, I thought it was going to be great. Yeah, and actually, my dad got me a job. It's so at- funny; I can't even like picture you doing that. Everybody says that. I know it's so funny. Well, now it's like, oh, can you imagine? There's well, no way.
0: But that's why I think these stories are important because, like, it's easy to look at you, current present day Mel Shore, and be like. She's such badass. Look at her pink hair. Look at all this stuff she's done. And we forget that like when we see people who are like, you know, 10, 15 years into their career that they weren't always like that. And so I think like it's it's inter- it's interesting to tell like the stories of like how we kind of like navigated around those obstacles because we all have them. Mm -hmm. so yeah you were gonna be like a cute little receptionist
1: it's gonna be great I was gonna work like eight to five I thought that was so cool I was like well my dad does that i worked in an office for that long and my neighbors they all do that that's all I knew I didn't even know any musicians by profession
0: I didn't know like any women that had jobs I feel like I just like thought I was gonna like be a a mom
1: I think I kind of thought that too now that I think back on that
0: yeah I I definitely thought that. And like, I know not all like women think that and not all like LDS women think that, but like, I definitely didn't actually ever picture myself really having a career.
1: Yeah. Same here.
0: So then it's like, well, I'm picking my major. Like, I yeah. don't know. What does it mean? Yeah. I know.
1: <laughs> like, Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> Um, the thing that's really funny about that is, so I was taking all those business classes. They were great. I'm I'm pretty good at that stuff, um, and I was also taking jazz piano lessons just on the side, kind of for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started picking it up pretty quickly. And and my teacher, who he also ran the whole program, and he's like, "Oh, you're gonna be in the second jazz band next semester." I was like, "No!" I was so happy just to play for myself, by myself, at home, and never play for anyone. Like, yeah. it was torture thinking about that. And and I think that's not normal for people that want to get into performing. Because, again, yeah. I didn't want to. I just was like, yeah. I love music so much that yeah. this evil high school teacher cannot take it from me. Yeah. And, but I also don't want to, like, stretch myself and go be in this yeah. scary jazz band where you have to make stuff up. Like, I didn't yeah. know. Um, but I did it, and I remember, like – tearing up when I saw a chord symbol I didn't know I'm like what's a sharp 11 <laughs> so now when my kids they have to do my students have sharp 11s so I'm like okay listen here's the shortcut don't cry like I did <laughs> yeah. I was such a big wimp I, I was like 10 years emotionally behind I think <laughs> how did you do
0: that though I mean so okay are is what you're telling me that like improvising wasn't natural for you no okay because you, you're such a good improviser Thank how you. did you get good at that okay what did you do
1: I transcribed everything that I could, and I'm lucky in that I have perfect pitch because you can do it anywhere, and it made the process faster mm. for me, but um, I also think I was just given the drive to not want to be embarrassed, Yeah. and so I just was like, oh man, we have a concert coming up. I can't avoid this. I yeah. have to do the solo. What's the yeah. song? Get on I guess there was no Spotify then. There was Napster. Yeah. So I had some Napster tracks and there was no YouTube. So you had to like hunt for your songs. So I I just remember like getting my CD player and I would just, I had a handwritten notebook and I would just transcribe.
0: I used to transcribe with a pitch pipe because I didn't have a keyboard.
1: Can you believe that?
0: I would like listen to like, like I transcribed like John Coltrane solos with a pitch pipe. It was wow. I basically would just like memorize them and then like transcribe from memory, you know, instead of like from the track. But yeah,
1: it's such a good skill, though. It's like that whole thing that was such a struggle becomes everything.
0: Well, I transcribed a lot and I still don't think I'm a good improviser, but so I'm still like I feel like there's more (laughs) because, you know, like transcribing, I think like, I don't know, maybe this is just like my own problem, but I feel like it gives you a lot of material, but you still have to decide like in the moment how to like, you know, kind of like sift through your options and make a choice. How did you get good at that?
1: Oh, well, first of all, going back to college, when I was doing that, um, the business stuff and also jazz band simultaneously, um, I took a test. This is kind of, backing up even before your question I took I got my grades back from my accounting class my dad you know was an accountant and yeah. he saw my grades I'm like I don't want to show you he's like I think you should switch back to music I'm like <laughs> thanks <laughs> so I switched to music um my teacher up there at Utah State started giving me a couple gigs my first gig was awesome. for Planned Parenthood amazing and I was playing background music and I asked if I could bring my roommate because I didn't want to go and I didn't want to be alone like again I only wanted to play at home like This was just such a personal thing. Like, I didn't want to share it. Yeah. So, um, but I started getting referrals for gigs from him, and I hated every second of it. And then I ended up moving down to Salt Lake to go to the U of U, because I got married. And... How old were you? I was 20. I was very old. (laughs) So old. I didn't know that you were married before, Mm -hmm. until like
0: that New York Voices concert. You said like, I went through a divorce, and then, and I was like... Wait,
1: I know, what? I know, I know. I didn't know. Oh, listen, I have so many stories of how you can survive anything. I so, Please tell any
0: of them that you oh want to tell.
1: Gosh. So I transferred to the University of Utah. And I mean, people just kept calling me for gigs. And yeah. I think I was lucky, too, because I kind of got uh, m- the older musicians, the jazz musicians would take me under their wing. Yeah, I didn't know if it was because I was a female or why. Mm. why we, you know, they thought I was cool, but, um, they're still my friends today. And yeah. I'm like, man, those are such good guys. They were just like dad figures. Like that's amazing. So I know that I've, you and I have talked before about kind of how it is to be a female and yeah. in this all, I'm, a lot of male world with musicians. And yeah, I think you've gotten a lot more hard things to deal with than I have.
0: I definitely didn't have the experience you had. Yeah. I think about it a lot though. Like I mean, we can talk about it
1: a little, maybe a
0: little now and more later, but I wonder if like you had a different experience just because you were younger, you know, like I moved here, like after I got my master's degree.
1: Oh yeah, that's true.
0: And so I maybe came in with an energy, like I certainly felt humble, you know, like I certainly felt like I'm ready to learn, but I think I probably had like some, some energy that was like, I know some things, you know, so like if someone would be like, this is the end of the blues form, like come in here, I'd be like, really? You're like, I know. (laughs) And so I think maybe like occasionally I got like impatient with things like that, which like, yeah, duh, Um, in a way that like rubbed people wrong, like really early when I lived here. But I wonder if maybe that's why you had a different experience, just because you were like, you needed help in a different way Mm -hmm. just from just sheer age
1: I had no idea what what I was doing at all and I in when I transferred to the U I started gigging with um, the Joe Mascolino band yeah and I just That's where I learned a ton of stuff and a lot of my connections. Not that we were playing jazz all the time, but it did provide the opportunity for performing. Yeah, and I still hated every second of it. Yeah, I hated it. I even graduated with a jazz composition degree, and I still hated it. I love doing the stuff. (laughs) Yeah, but the part of performing, I thought it was like, oh, I just felt like it was giving part of my soul away that I wasn't Mm. ready to share. Or interesting, I cared so much about it, and but I do remember after a couple of years of gigging, I think I gigged with Joe's band maybe for three years. And toward the end of the third year, something clicked. Cause I remember every single time I would get past a solo, I was like, no. Yeah. Oh. And then I had to look around. I'm like, Oh my gosh, we're background music. First of all, yeah. nobody cares. The
0: pressure is quite low.
1: Yeah. I'm here with all my friends who like, even if I suck, they're going to tell me I did good, which I didn't like. Cause I was like, why are they telling me yeah. I'm doing good? I sound bad. Um, But then I realized, oh, I don't have to be as emotionally attached to what I'm playing. And Mm -hmm. something snapped in that moment. And I I just was like kind of displacing myself or disconnecting myself just a couple of degrees from my improvising. And then I sounded so much better. Yeah. And now and that stuck since then. So that's great. I don't know if it was I just had to play a million crappy solos and then it clicked or, you know, or what. But
0: I definitely I relate to that. Um, I still think I, I still think I have like a few more like walls to break down with that stuff, and I'm trying to be patient with myself about it. But I think that's wise of just remembering like, what is the actual risk here? Like with any of these things, yeah. with any art things, um, like, like risk assessment is just think it through, and like usually it's not that high.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so, like nobody's gonna die.
0: Yeah. Hopefully. Well, that's what um Do you know John Skidmore? Mm-hmm. He teaches like psychology and teaches like a psychology of music class at BYU. I've never actually seen him there. I've just met him separately, but he says like you're not going to die. Like no one's going to die. It's not a snake bite. <laughs> like yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Everything's fine.
1: Nobody even is going to remember what you yeah. played. It's fine.
0: Literally nothing bad is going to happen except maybe drunk people might harass you. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. So then what happened?
1: So after, after that, let's see, I played with Joe's band until I guess. Yeah. till I graduated with my bachelor's and, and kind of when that clicked with disconnecting a little bit emotionally, yeah. um, is when I was like, oh my gosh, I'm getting paid like hundreds of dollars to like sometimes play whole notes. Like if you're doing a pop song, you know, where it requires that, I'm like, this is so easy. Yeah. What was I thinking? Yeah. So, um, I actually, let's see, I took a year off. Oh, because I got divorced. That was fun. And you, how old were you then? I was 23. Okay. And I was still accompanying for a lot of voice lessons, and doing gigs on the weekend so I was pretty busy I was doing a little bit of teaching but not much Um, and then I got a call from the U that said they were starting a jazz masters would I be interested and I was like no Mm. why yeah (laughs) I'm not even good (laughs) and they're like oh well we'll give you the assistantship yeah like, oh I get paid to go I'll go yeah so then I went and got my master's it was fun um, I loved school because yeah. like you go to school in this controlled environment, yes. your friends are there. I
0: relate to that you're a like, lot.
1: sort of an adult, but
0: it's, very it's safe. a safe environment. Yeah.
1: I loved school. Um, and then I thought, oh, I just want to go to school for the rest of my life. So as you can tell, I, I don't think ahead super far <laughs> with very structured goals, <laughs> but then I was like, well, if I do a master's, maybe I'll do a PhD or a DMA. And I got to that second year of my master's and I was like, done, done. I'm done. Yeah. Done with this. But you
0: loved school. So why were you done?
1: I didn't love it at the last year. Okay. (laughs) Because by then I was gigging. I... um, You were
0: gigging so much that it was just like... Yeah. I got to get out of here. I got to move on.
1: Yeah. And then I think when you get to a certain point in higher education, you're just dealing with theories or like how far can you take this one narrow point? Yeah. And things get... And and I didn't care.
0: Bureaucratic
1: too. Yeah. And I started... red tapey. mm -hmm. I saw that a lot with some... um, Friends slash teacher, yeah. They were teacher friends, and it's like, oh, this is BS. Uh -uh." Yeah. So
0: sorry, go ahead. Oh, I don't remember. How how did you handle like? I mean, did did you feel like you must have been like stressed? Like you were still so young, your brain is like literally developing till you're like thirty. So you know, and then like you, your whole life is like changing. Like, I think my question is just like. How were you resilient during that time?
1: Oh man! Well, like when I went through my divorce, it was really helpful to gig because it got me out, and yeah. so I became like the classic workaholic. Yeah, dealing with trauma. So, um, and also remember that my like main motivation is is this fun. Yeah, and I was like, oh, well, now gigging is fun. I yeah. get to now see I'm my hanging friend, out with my friends, and I yeah. get like a couple hundred bucks. That's cool. So, um, and also because I did not know how to have developed boundaries Mm. I someone would say Mel are you available this date and I looked at my calendar I'm like yeah it didn't matter Mm -hmm. if I didn't want to do it or yeah I I was like yep I am so I took everything yeah and now I wouldn't I would approach it differently because I'm older and I've been through stuff and like I'm established around here um, as far as professionally and so I don't need to take every single thing yeah but unbeknownst to me, I did the exact right thing that I should do is yeah. just say yes to everything when yeah. you're a new player. Yes. So it's been, that part was really helpful. Getting a
0: ton of experience and then you were busy. So you, are you saying yeah. like just being at gigs was like helpful, It helped you like kind of just stay afloat? Is, mm-hmm. is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah. It helped me to realize that I could be independent. I was earning my own money. I was, you know, yeah, doing a good job at at my job. I was around really supportive people that were on my side. And a lot of those people were those same people that kind of grandfathered yeah. me. In. So
0: you are you had family, you know, you yes. had like, you felt like you fit in and you belonged yeah, and stuff. That's great.
1: Yeah. So that's how I, that was really helpful just to have music and, and gigs to kind of deal with that period of my life. Um, you know, and then I had started dating again and I was in grad school and that's all stressful. And yeah. I just kind of... Uh I'm really good at stuff that's non-emotional. So like I that's why I was really good at just doing work under pressure. I was not so good at dealing with like emotional relationship drama. Yeah. And so like if the other person was like yeah. emotional because I was like at all these gigs. Yeah. I was like uh-huh. No. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I couldn't sometimes I'm kind of like like when I got married again, my husband <laughs> he was like the female and I was like the yeah. like where Andrew I'm like,
0: and I have that also. <laughs> yeah,
1: so, um, yeah, it just is different, I guess, for every scenario. But as far as like that early trauma of a divorce, yeah, I used gigging and playing to kind of get through that. Yeah, but it also helped me professionally, and yeah. and I don't regret that part of it, even though it was like a lot. Yeah, yeah, because then I was like, this is fun. Okay, I get to play this gig. This. Friday with these friends that's fun and then tomorrow I'm gonna play this Broadway show and that's fun because I love reading stuff and sight reading stuff and yeah. making new friends there and oh I have to get I have to get this chart out but that's fun everything was so fun yeah. for me so that's it was great. still fun now I would get so stressed out yeah <laughs>
0: isn't it so weird how stuff changes like that? I've been like reflecting on that recently. Cause I feel like I'm, I'm kind of at a point right now where I'm like st- closing some doors and like opening some new doors and kind of looking back and thinking like how things have changed, mm-hmm. you know, it's so weird, but I want to just ask you about one thing you were talking about how, like you were really emotional, like in your music stuff. And then it sounds like maybe there was a period where like music was not emotional. Does that f- seem right?
1: Like uh, the period where it wasn't emotional, meaning like when I was improvising, that kind of a thing.
0: Well, I think you said like, may- and maybe I'm just like confusing things, but I think you said like, you know, I, I was struggling dealing with like emotional stuff. And are you feeling like during that time, like the oh. music stuff wasn't? Like, did w- you still feel like wrapped up, you yeah know, in I the think music what you mean. kind of identity wise?
1: So... I always feel connected to music 100% of the time, no matter what. But I think there's like positive and negative. So if I was dealing with like negative emotional stuff from like a relationship or something at grad school or something, like it was nice to then be connected emotionally a different way.
0: I see. So like the music is emotional in a way that's like filling you up. Yes. Okay. So it's emotional, but it's like always like a positive yeah always. Do you, it,
1: always a positive unless I like hate being there and there's a drunk person in my face like yeah. throwing stuff on me then I'm like this is stupid but that's not the music um it right. depends on the style too I mean we both play in party bands yeah and so it's not like it's always the most musically fulfilling yeah thing ever and so I always try and think how can I better my skills with what I'm doing right this second that's how
0: I like do it too
1: so for that i i got really good at click playing yeah or just listening to the hi-hat of the drums or knowing when my part was and you know and every every part that you play in every genre has its place in jazz it's like how creative can i be or how how much space should i leave and in pop it's like even more narrow in some ways, there's not as much flexibility. Absolutely,
0: The value system is completely different in Mm -hmm. every, and it's not even maybe in a genre, but like in a room, like what's the, what is the scenario call for? Yeah. I like thinking about, I like doing pop gigs. Like there's something nice about like, like what you were saying before, like it's background music. And like, even if you, it's not background music, like people are dancing, they're not listening to you. Right. They're listening to like the song um and there's something kind of nice about just like merging into this like entertainment um it's not personal which can be really i think it's can be therapeutic for me yeah it helps me kind of remember like i'm relieved when it's not about me
1: oh me too which is
0: i think why improvising is hard for me because it is it is it is so about you yeah <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I just feel like I don't want the spotlight in that way. So I get all like freaking out. Um, okay, so what did you do after grad school?
1: So after grad school, I heard that the country artist Colin Ray was looking to base some of his band members out of Utah. He had moved here, he had a sick grandkid. So they moved okay. here to go to primary children's um and see if they could find a diagnosis for a neurological thing that she mm-hmm. had. And so I called whoever it was that was telling us about that, and, and they said, okay, well, we've heard that you can play, so you're hired, and if you suck, then we just won't call you again. Yeah, wow. So my first gig was in at the Tulare County Fair in, I guess, in Tulare, Where California. California. I think it's like Fresno area. I've Northern never heard California. of that thing that you said. <laughs> it's spelled T-U-L-A-R-E. Sweet. I, I didn't know it was Tulare till we got there. So yeah, that was my first gig. Also kind of my audition. And they said, or I asked, what is the set list? And they said, well, he kind of changes the songs all the time. And so just get on iTunes. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So they gave me a That's couple crazy. sample set lists. Yeah. And the person that w- I was communicating with, was like a manager that was kind of in and out and not really oh no the person to ask would have been Colin but he is was, you didn't wasn't have around I didn't have a, access like a, to him yeah exactly so they gave me a couple of examples of old set lists and I just did my best and then I wrote I tried to um learn them from memory and I did my best and I had a couple of little cheat sheets for some tunes and it was super exciting because my brain is death is like all over the place like piano player brain it has to think of 87 things to feel fulfilled. so it was a really exciting time for me everything was new um and then I learned all the tunes and it was easy and then I was like oh are we gonna do more tunes
0: and then you got bored (laughs) then I got bored and
1: um but it was really cool to be around the whole that genre because it it taught me a lot about lyrics and songwriting yeah and coming from jazz school where it's Not about that. Yeah, Yeah, you know, it's like, it was really refreshing just to hear it from another perspective, music from another perspective, Mm -hmm. and to know, oh, yeah, you are playing this chord, and this chord is important, but you don't have to be fancy because this is about the lyric. Right. And I appreciated that, too. Um, We did a tour. I ended up playing with Colin's band for three or four years, and I was his music director. um, What does that mean? So that, for me, in that role, for his band, I would help him write up the set list. Okay. I would send out the tunes to people. If we had orchestral shows, I would write out the charts just cause I did that. I don't think that's yeah. a typical. He communicated rough. with
0: you and you communicated with all the other musicians. Yes.
1: Yes. Okay. Um, that was interesting now because I was leaving my little safe, secure area of Utah where everybody was my second dad. Yeah. Um, it was not like that all the time with the national musicians did you
0: sorry I'm interrupting you with everyone in Utah did you feel like you had peers or did you feel like everyone was a mentor
1: let me think about that uh for a while I just felt like everyone was a mentor yeah I think because it that's was me and all these unique isn't that kind of unique yeah do Cause... you like
0: have thoughts about that
1: well i I didn't even think anything of it until a little bit later when I noticed that how come no like not very many of my friends from college are in the same gigging scenarios as me and and then I realized how lucky I was that these guys were just like mentoring me this whole time. Yeah. And I mean maybe there was one other person my same age Courtney Smith in the same okay. situation yeah. because we both joined Joe's band at the same time. Yeah. And you know, it was the same thing. Like Joe could have six bands out in one night. Yeah. So, um, and then I realized, Oh, I'm pretty lucky for that. So I, yeah, I don't think that that's typical. Um, and a lot of my college friends didn't start gigging in band sort of scenarios, uh, for several years. So yeah, yeah it was Do really feel not like typical.
0: There were kind of like any downsides to that. Like, did you feel like ever your growth was like limited by feeling like there was kind of like a power dynamic or something?
1: I didn't feel that with those guys. Um, cause I don't think my personality even like
0: you just aren't talking about it like that. Yeah. I never,
1: yeah. If you've read the color code, I'm white, I have blue, and yellow, which means I just like things peaceful. I'm motivated by fun mm-hmm. and I want to connect with people. That's it. Yeah. Red is like the power. You're more driven by those things. I wonder if
0: that's part of it too for me. Like, because I have such issues with my parents, if like being in like a, like feeling like the guys are my dads, I wonder if that would have like made me have like issues. Yeah. And maybe that's, maybe that's also like
1: (laughs) a thing. It could be a thing. (laughs) And also, it's like, The guys I was playing with, I don't know if you know, like Jim Stout, Doug James, Brian Booth. I played one gig with Jim last summer. They're so cool. He was lovely. Yeah, like great human beings. And and, and Steve Keen was my piano teacher, and he's like the best. And none of those guys ever would be like, okay, hey, Mel, here's what you need to do next time. Mm. All it was was like, we're hiring you for this gig. You sound great. And I was just Mm. around them and learning from them by listening and playing. So I never felt from them that I was even below them.
0: You just felt like,
1: I felt like they respected put me and, on the same level, but that's awesome. I, I didn't feel like I was on their level cause I yeah. was like this little kid. Yeah. Um, and they were like 30 years older than me. So, and I still gig with all those guys today and it's super fun and they treat me the exact same that they treated me back then. Yeah. Which was so, respected so respectful. And, yeah. So yeah, I've been so lucky that I've always been around really respectful guys. Yeah. Um,
0: Until the tour.
1: Until the tour. And and to be fair, it was only a handful of people, like a sound guy here and there yeah. that felt like he needed to like grind his old axe with me. That stuff,
0: like, it's, like, it's totally, it's yeah. so, it's beyond inappropriate. <laughs>
1: it is. I
0: could go on and on. Yeah. You know
1: I could. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And, but, I mean, I think I've always had an ability, like since the crazy high school days, to look at, how somebody's acting out and realize that's their problem. It's a reflection of their problem. If it is something that I need to work on, like I have no problem fixing it. So um, we did have an instance where somebody tried to kind of sneak in. Oops. Somebody tried to um, get me fired. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I've had an experience like that.
0: Someone trying like someone like legit trying to get me fired, which like, what is that? How do so you? Dumb. How
1: did you deal with it, though? Well, this was during uh, while I was music director for Colin, and this person was. I'm angry already. Oh, I know. Oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> I, I, still, I am. I won. I'm worried about it. <laughs> he has issues. Well, so this person was playing as a band member, and then wanted to warm his way up and eventually become yeah. manager. And so I just kind of watched his little slimy ways. <laughs> he would have affairs on his wife on the road, oh, and no. then like bring these girls it was like all the cliche things that you hear about you know country and rock tours and stuff Touring like that guys Cause, and that was the first time I mean I, that was a couple years into the tour before that I yeah. came around and I, it was like oh we don't deal with this here so
2: yeah
1: um I mean Colin trusted me enough and had known me longer and yeah we, he he could see right through him so he eventually got fired but he did a lot of damage I mean
2: to you were, or just like to everybody the, to the, anybody yeah
1: yeah, he, I think he even like took the company credit card and like spent money on stuff. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he was kind of a disaster, but so that
0: didn't like land on you.
1: No, but what I did is he went against Colin's directions for a show that we did. And like there had been enough things that had been happening that it was just like, okay, this is ridiculous. And I'm super chill. It's like, I just want everyone to get along. Yeah. Just play your notes, be cool. Yeah. Um, and he just was such a diva. Like we would, we would even go um we were in new york and and we were doing those tv shows and he just was like causing the biggest fit about his outfit and his hair and it's like look if colin is not acting like this who is the really the only one that they care about yeah you need to it really Yeah. yeah anyway there had been enough things that had happened that I had talked to Colin, and I'm like, "Hey, I know I can't fire him from this management stuff, but I'm firing him from the band if that's okay with you, because this is ridiculous. Like, you don't go in and you just and try to smear people. And yeah, and if I had hired a friend from Salt Lake, um, this person was really, really cool with people at first, and then he found out someone was from not Nashville, boom, and mm. he was such a jerk. So it's yeah. like. Yeah, so I did. I did fire him, and that's
0: Sweet. was weird for yeah. my personality yeah. since
1: I'm non-confrontational. But, yeah. um Yeah. So I did but also, that. Also cool. <laughs> yeah. It was also <laughs> good pretty for you. Badass, but, yeah. So um, yeah, so I ended that tour, and I'm trying to think. What, what was it, touring like? Oh man, I mean, that had to have been crazy. It was way crazy. Um, it it was, was cool, and it was also really hard. Um, we. We were not gone every single day for years. It was more like every weekend we were playing. Okay. I think the longest that I was actually gone was maybe like eight weeks. Um, and that it was like we were in Ireland and then we were in Branson and then, you know, we had some stretches. Yeah. Um, but man, it really wears on your body yeah. when you are flying in an airplane, have a couple connections, have yeah. to drive three hours to some fair, yeah. um, play your stuff in you know, different climate, different heat, different elevations. Yes. Go do it again the next night somewhere else that you've also f- had to get up early. food, food. is weird. Your You're dehydrated. Food is weird. I actually, the reason why I quit is I ended up getting really sick and I, um, I still struggle with it. I have Epstein bar that I got from that. Oh so my gosh. Yeah. That's I crazy. Have, I have all the things. I have anything. You have all the things. Yeah. We can talk about anything on this podcast. Were no. you the only girl in that band? I was the only girl. There was never another girl. Um, and I was lucky, like we had really good mat- bandmates with the exception yeah, of like some that of those one people. creepy
2: guy, yeah. One
1: creepy guy or like we had someone else from another band come over and they just had a chip on their shoulder. And
0: About women? I, I don't Do you know. Mean, I don't, just what, in general? Just in
1: general, so.
0: Um, but it was it mostly like a non-issue for you being the only girl? Yeah. You just you felt like yeah, understood good. and not singled out?
1: That's yeah, and, awesome. and there were a couple guys on the tour that were kind of that, not second dad, maybe like a big brother kind of a role. Yeah, for me. So, yeah, I, I just feel like I've been placed in these positions that have been pretty lucky. Yeah, I've heard some horror stories from people. So, yeah, it was great. Um, but yeah, I then I started dealing with health issues. It, yeah. my heart started feeling like it was fluttering. I was having issues oh with gosh. diet. Yeah, I just was tired all the time. I was. It, it was crazy. So I stopped touring and tried to get my health back together. And yeah. as you know, with any autoimmune thing, you never really recover from it. You just yeah. manage it. So I've had to learn over the years to manage it essentially. Yeah. Watch my energy, watch what stresses me out, which is another reason why I don't get stressed out too easily. Because yeah. f- stuff doesn't matter yeah. in the long run. But
0: so are you saying that that's like something you learned? like not getting stressed out, that's like a thing that you learned?
1: I think so. I, I think for the most part, I'm that way. I'm probably like 75% that way anyway. Yeah. Um, But what improvisation has taught me in music, it's also spilled over into my personality or how I hmm. handle situations. Interesting. Where, where I can see, oh, well, with these chords and this note, I can choose this or I can choose this. Or if I make a mistake, it's okay. I can try better next time or yeah. or whatever. Um, I apply those same things in my daily life. Like, oh, I missed that turn. I'm not going to stress out and yeah. like cause a wreck. I'll just yeah. try it for the next one. Yeah. Or, or, yeah, I'm going to be five minutes late. I hope they're not mad if they are. I totally deserve it, but I'll get there. Yeah. So, you know, you try your best and then kind of yeah. go with the flow. So, yeah, um, I think that it's... Yeah, I'm mostly that way as a person, but and then it's some is learned. Yeah, kind of just
0: out of necessity, like this is what I need to like stay healthy. Yeah, that's that's great. great. I mean, I've had these kinds of conversations with a lot of people now, where they talk about like the biggest kind of challenges of their careers, really just being like these kind of personality things, and like how can I like find you know balance or like calm or like focus um which is like of course that's the case but also like we don't talk about it yeah I think
1: oh yeah and and I think too and I'm kind of to this point now um that I've done a lot of things in my career I think you know what if this becomes to the point where it's not fun anymore uh or it's hurting my health so much. I I'll, I have to quit. Yeah. And it's like, okay. So I always kind of have the, It still k- puts it in that box of, is this fun? Yeah. Or is this healthy for me? Yeah. So that's great. It's, hel- it's kind of helpful. Yeah. That's, I
0: mean, that's a
1: great philosophy.
0: I was just listening to a podcast interview recently with Will Farrell and he said something really similar. Like you, you follow your dreams with like everything you've got, But, like, you always, like, give yourself permission to, like, fail or quit or stop or change it, Um, which is, I think, like, very, very healthy. Mm -hmm. So what happened after that? You came home. You focused on your health.
1: Focused on my health. I I was, like... (laughs) I, I don't know if you can tell yet, but whenever I do something, it's like I only do that thing. So it's like, I love jazz only. Oh, no, I love Earth, Wind and Fire only. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm going to play country only. So now I was home yeah. and I'm like, I'm only going to gig with my band. So I had still been playing like if I were in town. And not on the road, I would still do gig, local gigs with my band. So I wasn't totally and out of the picture. this is still the
0: same band you're working with now? Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah, we have been playing together since 2006.
0: That's amazing. It's crazy, right? I I don't have any friends that I've had for that long.
1: <laughs> I know. I mean,
0: because when I, I graduated from high school in 2006 and like immediately moved to Texas and then moved here six years
1: after that so you've been in different states See, I've never even moved anywhere yeah I have
0: at most I have I have six I've been here now seven years wow so I have
1: that's you're doing so great like look at all this stuff you're doing
0: I appreciate that it doesn't always feel that way to me but (laughs) but that's nice of you um okay so you were playing with your band
1: I was playing with my band and then that's all I wanted to do um was just not travel anywhere yeah for gigs because I was so sick and I just yeah. had no energy it was so hard um and so I did that well and then of course you can't do that forever yeah so then I started being open to taking on other, other gigs um, I would do some Broadway shows that came through town if we ever had any out of town gigs for my band like I would go yeah so I just kind of built up my teaching studio oh and I also was still teaching. While I was on the road with Colin, so it's like I would teach Monday through Thursday, yeah. Leave Friday or Thursday night, yeah. Go gig the week and come back. It's too th- much. Yeah I, yeah, I I totally did this to myself. Yeah, I was so tired and it just was too much. So, um, so I was kind of striving for more balance, but I didn't really get that. I, yeah, I ended up in a bunch of toxic relationships that were pretty traumatic and um decided oh i gotta work on my boundaries and went to therapy and worked on my boundaries and
0: when was this like how long ago
1: um let's see i stopped touring in i think with colin from i think it was like 2013 2012 or 2013
0: i moved here in 2012 okay so that's like i don't think i met you until i had lived here like a few years and it's probably because you were like in that transition too Mm mm-hmm Okay, so maybe like since that was like pretty recently, maybe like this is a good point in the show mm-hmm. to give me like I'd love a list of like the things that you have been paid for. Like, what's a okay. list of like the stuff you make my money gigs. from? Yeah.
1: Okay, I'm on the jazz faculty at University of Utah still, and have been since two
0: two thousand five. Cool.
1: So that's my longest steady gig, I guess. Um, I'm adjunct. I teach piano. Jazz cool.
2: Piano. Great.
1: I've also, at the same time, over the years, taught um, at Snow and at Utah Valley University. I think that's it. Um, so,
0: university teaching.
1: University, yuck, university teaching, yes. Adjunct, just lessons. Yeah. Um, I have been... When I first got back from the road, I was accompanying for the musical theater department cool. at the U. So, I would do that. Uh, I would play for a couple of voice lessons here and there and I was still doing my private teaching. I was doing arranging. I, I arrange everything from big band to choral yeah. and orchestral. So I've been paid for that kind of stuff. Uh, you do re-
0: a ton of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Recording sessions, any style, if it's a country album, I'll play, uh, piano, whirly B3. If cool. people need string arrangements, I'll do string arrangements for that. I just play for a bunch of different, a lot of local artists. Um, I've, been involved in some of the hit record projects with Joseph Gordon Levitt in LA. Amazing. And that's pretty cool. I've I'm a music director at Michael Feinstein's Great American Songbook Academy. Where is that? That is it takes place in Carmel, Indiana. Sweet. So I think the whole history of that Michael Feinstein, of course, is like a, a performer, a great vocalist and piano player, but he also was the personal assistant for the Gershwin brothers amazing so he's a historian as well so wow, I think somebody from Indiana there's a lot of money in that mm. town um where where the archives are now they approached him and said we would love to house your archives here mm. um we'll build you a palladium so you can have cool. a place to perform and store this stuff wow. and we'll build you a place to live and he's like sweet great
0: amazing and he
1: and his husband come and his husband's name's is Terrence and he's amazing and it's really great. They. Um, How did you get involved in that? So I also, one of the things I get paid to do is I, I help run uh, a choral and a band festival in New York that one of my friends runs. Awesome. And most of the time I'm just like helping with like papers and running yeah. stuff back and forth. Um, but sometimes I accompany for the groups. And one of the adjudicators... Is Laurel Massey, who was in the Manhattan Transfer.
2: Okay. Yeah. One of
1: the founding members of it. And she introduced me to her music director. His name is Tex. And it so happens that Tex used to be the music director for Margaret Whiting, who's like an, if you're in like the cabaret world, that's a big name. And he's involved with the Great American Songbook Academy. Okay. And so they had a slot they needed to fill. And then I got a call. Awesome. And I remember the phone call. It was like a voicemail. Hey, Mel, this is so-and-so from Great American Songbook. We're just wondering if you'd be interested in coming out and working as a music director for this camp. Da-da-da-da-da. Thanks. Let us know. And I called back. I'm like... Is this a job? Yeah. Like, what do you mean? He's like, Oh yeah, you get paid. So I'm like, oh, that's amazing. So it's a really great camp. Um, yeah. these and that's high every summer? Every summer. And high school kids, they submit audition tapes, they get selected, cool. they get paired with one of it used to be four music directors, now it's one of five. And they do a competition through the week. They do master classes and clinics and they work with Michael Feinstein. They work with some people from Hollywood that get flown in. They work awesome. with Broadway people. Like it's amazing amazing so you should have some of your kids submit stuff for it great it's, nobody knows about it around yeah here. I
0: had never heard of it now you know okay great Do it for
1: next year okay it's in July every year cool so I do that um I don't know I do a ton of gigs I got I have All I've done some commissions from schools for big band charts or commissions for choral or- orchestral um I play for Broadway shows like when they need recordings for schools Okay. I go sight read in the studio. Yeah. I love sight reading so yeah. much. I'm that's a weirdo. Awesome.
0: No, well, um, I get it. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's one of those things that's like so mu- brainy that it's mindless. You know what I mean? Like it's, it makes my brain fire. It's like, and a, I love it. Yeah. I get that way about, I get that way about things mm-hmm. where it's like, it just, I don't know. <laughs> it like tunnel visions me in like a really soothing kind of a way.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I, was the associate conductor for Matilda the musical for the national tour?
0: That's amazing. It's
1: that pretty great. It was fun. You do so many things. Thanks. You I do all I kinds just, of things. It's also fun. You are like I love it.
0: You're like the most joyful person. Like I feel like you're one of the most joyful people I've ever known.
1: Oh, th- thanks. It's I mean you.
0: <laughs> I dare anyone to like disagree with me. It's just like it's kind of undeniable. I think. So do you want to story tell us like from you know 2012 to now
1: yeah so um let's see what oh yeah so I ended the tour um with Colin got my health kind of under control was doing stuff with the party band and then I I didn't really quite know what to do with my life I I how old was I then I don't know 32 or something and I was
0: I was 24 in 2012. How I'm, old are you now? I'm
1: 37.
0: So you're six look, years older than me. So I you were like like 30. 10.
1: <laughs> okay. So I was like 30. Yeah. And I just thought, ugh, everybody wants me to get married. Like it's so annoying and uh, whatever. Yeah. Do just, you want- it was so stressful, like just thinking about it. And so um, it just wasn't working out. I just dated the biggest jerks and and they ended up being my teachers and how to get boundaries. And I'm super grateful for it, but would never want to go through any of that really hard stuff that I went through again. Cause there was some yeah. very toxic and very narcissistic and very, yeah. very bad things that happened. Um, so I got to the point where I thought, well, what if I'm not gonna, I'm just going to ditch this whole dating thing. Like I am yeah. done. I'm so tired of it. Like, who cares? Just, I'm going to work. Let me, what's the next step? Okay. I'll move to New York. So I found a roommate. I was going to move to New York. And then I met this guy who was a really great guy and we ended up dating and I put my plans on hold and we ended up getting married. And it was like a very, very healthy relationship. It was, it was so easy and so great. And, and so I stayed in Utah. I never yeah. ended up moving. And so I just thought, okay, well, those plans are on hold. Like I know what, uh, this sounds so cheesy. What a treasure, a treasure, treasure, what a treasure <laughs> it is to meet somebody that treats you so well that you yeah. also care about and that yeah. it's just so easy. So like, I knew exactly what I had had with yeah. him. Um, and we were married in December of 2015. And he was a theater director and also... It's just perfect. I know. So it was great. All my friends are like, he's so great. His name is Scott. They're like, Scott is so great. Like, he gets you because he's artistic. And so, because all my friends, like, throughout, whenever I would date all these, like, jerks or whatever, they're like... Are they going to appreciate you for who you are? Are they going to let you be yourself? Because I sometimes am oblivious to that stuff. It's
0: so interesting to me, like these things you're saying, like I'm like, I'm thinking about all of it. And like you're dating all of these narcissistic guys. Like I think, do you, do you think, do you, can you like reason yourself back through it? Like what was going on that? Like you feel like that was like a pattern that you
1: had? I, I have thought about it so many times. And when I listen to stories of people that were in abusive relationships, especially, I mean, physical, emotional, you know, I know they're different, but they're also in the same category. I I mean, you don't have to tell me. I totally get it. For Whoever's listening. (laughs) um, Yeah. I, I understand why people don't leave for such a long time. Yeah. I understand the manipulation and how subtle it is. And, and it's like, Two sorts of different brains. It's like you have people that are wanting to do the right thing and yeah. that are good people. And then you have people that have a sick brain or yeah. they are warped in some way or whatever. And it's like you don't even think the same way. And so when you, those two people get together and they still are going their same ways, the one that ends up getting eaten alive is the one yeah. that's healthy or that wants to please or like...
0: Or that just is happy and joyful. And Yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting. I just... I'm thinking... You know, you had this pattern in like your relationships, but you weren't like finding yourself around toxic people in your work. Right. Don't you think that's interesting? Yeah. I'm like the opposite of that. I think I like I have because I know what you mean. It's like if you're a person who's kind of like bright eyed and bushy tailed, which like I think I've been that way at some points in my life. I don't know if I'm like that today. But um, I think like if you're a person who just like wants to make people happy, you just like want to do a good job. Like, sometimes you can, like, suddenly, I know this happens to me, I, like, will suddenly, like, find myself in, like, a professional relationship where I'm, like, suddenly, like, oh, no, this is happening again. Oh. Which, so, but I I don't do that. I mean, I didn't date that much. I just I had two boyfriends before Andrew.
1: So Andrew's so great. Andrew's so, he's so a, glad. He's, he's a, a nice
0: man. <laughs> yes. So you oh. married Scott and everything was just, like, really great. And he really was... G-
1: yeah, it was really great. Um, kind
0: and fair. And
1: one thing that I did learn from all those other people that I had dated is at, by the time I had met Scott, I got used to understanding what my body was telling me. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I think it's really easy to get anxiety and um, like Twitter patient kind of con- con- intertwined. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or And I also didn't realize that there was a difference between – like loving somebody and just being entangled with them. Yeah. It was mostly entanglement and manipulation mm-hmm. and twisting. And then I thought, because like I just was, wanted to do better yeah. for them. And maybe if I were better that they would be nicer or they would stop cheating yeah. or, or lying or whatever. So, um, so by the time I met Scott, so easy, it was like I could breathe. Yeah. Um. And yeah, it was, it was great. he, directed shows, had a side business with... Not a side business, I guess it was his main business with his brothers doing home automation sorts of things. Um, Creative guy, he's a photographer. So um, he would actually... I love to torment him because he is just like very particular in colors and things have to look great. The presentation and I'm not, I'm yeah. like cats, what catcher can I wear? And it was so fun tormenting him. Like I would put um, like colorful frames on this little desk that was red and he would come downstairs and he's like, no, those colors are fighting. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Okay. Here's more tackiness. I really love it. So I love that. things are great. I mean, um, he was thirty seven my age now when we got married, and so he'd never been married before, so we both were like very independent, mm-hmm. you know, learning how to intertwine our lives, which was like weird, yeah, and I get that you know that's kind of a a long process mm-hmm. um and I was working so I ended up doing that Matilda tour during that time, um like a couple when was it actually, I should probably tell you about my car accident. I was in a car accident like five months into our marriage, okay, and that messed me up in the head.
0: Yeah, we talked about that a little bit. Yeah, tell 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 us about it. So
1: I was in a car accident. I was rear-ended from behind at full freeway speed, and I was dead stop. Oh
0: my gosh!
1: So I had whiplash. I tore my rotator cuff. uh, My left rotator cuff.
0: Imagine like you tore your rotator cuff. Like with no
1: seatbelt caught it. Yeah, yeah,
0: like that's crazy.
1: I would like never had headaches before in my whole life, and now I have chronic have migraines. Too many things, Mel. I know. I have had. I get shots in my head sometimes with um, numbing stuff. It's not Botox, but it just numbs it. Like and a
0: cortisol, cortisone, yeah, something, or
1: something like that. Um, I can't carry my own gear currently, and I tried running the other day for the first time because. Um, I sort of thought I was starting to feel a little bit better. And mind you, this is three years ago. This happened. I'm still, I, before I came here to do this podcast, I was at physical therapy still. Oh I'm my in, f- gosh. I'm in four appointments a week still for this dumb accident. That so, is
0: so insane and unfair. It's so crazy. It pisses me off. I'm Thank, sorry.
1: Thanks. <laughs> Jesus loves me. Maybe. I know. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Um, it's a pretty big bummer. And then I, I started getting major anxiety yeah. attacks
0: and, and did you have like PTSD from that?
1: Yeah, driving was so scary and hard. Oh I thought gosh. I, every time I would would be in the car, I would hear the accident, hear the crunching of the car again. Oh and my gosh! Yeah, so it's it's been pretty crappy. Um, there was a point where I couldn't walk, not because my legs didn't work, they did, but just because even moving my shoulder would like it was excruciating. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think it's really hard sometimes just to pinpoint when your anxiety starts. And so it was like the slow decline and yeah I, and I definitely was not the same person that I was before ac- the accident. I used to ski a ton. I skied like I checked my ski pass and I skied 43 times out of the ski season. And then after the accident it was like two. Oh, and I haven't been for th- like two years.
0: That's like so, that's grief. That's like some yeah. intense grief.
1: It's hard. And so so that was really hard, but it took me a long time to figure that out. It was when they were asking me some questions for my car, uh, my car accident for my case. Have you experienced depression or anxiety? And I was like, oh, "That's what's wrong with me." Yes, because Scott and I were just married. I'm like, "What the heck? Mm-hmm. Do I hate him?" Like, I just wanted to have the lights off and like, yeah, I was grumpy, but I was still working. And so that's what why I didn't think I was depressed because yeah. I could, I was still doing that old habit of like pushing through and working. Right.
0: I did. I did a couple mm-hmm. of years of that. When yeah. I like, like a couple of years after I moved here, I was having some like a really high functioning, bad depression. Ugh. It's hard. That's How it. do, you, do you think that like everybody does that or I mean all kinds of people, or do you think that like artists do it and like have a different kind of capacity for that?
1: Oh man, that's a really good question. Um, I know for sure the artists have the capacity for that. Cause that's like who we're around all the time. Right.
0: Do you think it's because we like live in like this weird, like, state of vulnerability all the time
1: yes <laughs> what, what do you think I think we're kind of also on the spectrum my yeah. brother-in-law is actually a a really really skilled and talented like photographer and like artist he paints he's amazing and we talk about this all the time like are, is there something wrong with
0: us like, <laughs> yeah, like is there something different that's what I was kind of trying to ask earlier with your students like is there something that like l- sends some of them one way like, send some of them to, like, professional art. I don't even Do you know think that. we have a thing?
1: <laughs> I think we're attracted to the, to those things that are maybe more subtle, that maybe a mind that's only seeing business sorts of things or money-making possibilities doesn't see. I think we just see details. Different yeah. details are different nuances than people that are prone to other careers. or maybe they're smart and they realize oh i'll be less stressed out yeah <laughs> but um yeah i've been talking with my therapist
0: recently like you know it we all just have things like i like a, like ha, for me anyway like having like a practice of gratitude is really important i'm not always great at it but uh but sometimes i think about like my childhood and how like how much i just like needed like approval and like any sort of like validation or like love or like attention from my parents. I say to my therapist sometimes like Samantha, how did I manage to get myself into a career? <laughs> Where like I just repeat those things like again and again. It's so perverse.
1: It's so crazy. But so you were having high functioning depression. I was having high functioning depression Um, as far as like getting up and all I could do is get up, get ready, go teach or do the gig, come back, go right to bed, like mega pain for months, months, months. Um, so that was hard. That's hard on a marriage. That's hard on just a single person. It's just hard. Yeah. So I still have somebody, I still have to pay somebody to haul my gear for me, which I do not regret because I love not hauling my own stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean I'm still dealing with stuff to this day with that. Um, but back back to that time period, um, Scott was directing a show, and when he would direct a show, I basically wouldn't see him for three months. Yeah. I would see him like in the middle of the night. Yeah. When I went to the bathroom or something. Yeah. I'm like, oh, he's back. Okay, he's not dead. Whoo. um so anyway, um, let's see. 2017 came around and he was just finishing finishing a show. I was just finishing Kind of the end of crazy wedding season, also some other shows that I was doing. Yeah. And so we were looking forward to finally having some time to figure out how we could maybe intertwine our lives even more and, you know, all that stuff. So yeah. he just had one more thing to do after his show, which was get a tonsillectomy. And he was getting, you know, that deviated septum surgery. Yeah. He was getting that too. Um, He's from Boise. And so he decided to do the surgery up in Boise. Um, cause one of their family friends is like a renowned surgeon for that, I guess. Cool. And I wasn't able to go up there with him because my uncle unexpectedly died. So, I oh mean, gosh. literally I was walking in, in the hospital <laughs> and Scott FaceTimed me out of surgery with his like black eyes from, yeah. from that. And I'm like, Oh good. You made it out of surgery. They kept him overnight for some low oxygen issues. And he's like, I just wanted you to know that I'm awake and I'm okay. I'm like, we have to go pull the plug on my uncle now. I'm sorry. I'll call you later. So no. that was that weekend. Um, and the next day, so my uncle had passed away on a Saturday and then the next day was Sunday. And I think all of us that had to deal with that with my uncle were just exhausted. And Scott was also recovering, you know, in Boise and he was exhausted. So we didn't talk too much, but um, the plan was I was going to go up to see him after my uncle's funeral. That was gonna be a few days later. So Monday rolls around and 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 Scott was like, Yeah, you don't worry about coming up here. Like, I'm just gonna be zonked out because this is a hard surgery, you yeah. know, to recover from. So I was getting ready to go run. I had started running to try and get through my migraines, because my yeah. migraine doctor told me to. It sucked, I hated it, every second of it. And I get a text on my phone and it was like, What? Or I didn't understand it. It actually came to my watch and it was something from Scott's brother and I didn't quite understand what he was saying. And so I called and Scott's family had been visiting up at their parents up in Boise that same weekend that Scott was up there getting the surgery. And, and all he said was Mel, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We tried to save him, but Scott's gone. Like oh my he gosh, died. You got that in a text. Yeah. Mel. I found out on text first and then I called to be like what are you talking about like you know you're in shock yeah and I was like no you're wrong like go check him. like just go check him again yeah he's like I'm literally outside of my parents house laying on the ground watching the ambulance drive away and I'm exhausted because we just did 600 compressions on him before the paramedics oh my gosh. came so Scott died and then that's the start of my next fun times of my life that is so insane I I can't
0: believe that any of those thing any of those things happened to you. But for all of those things to have happened is so crazy. And you still are the you still are like you're such a ray of
1: sunshine.
0: Thanks. It, Sometimes
1: it, I don't feel like it, but thank you.
0: It boggles me. I I know, like I said before, I know it's not the same. But I I also got a text um, the day my mom was diagnosed with brain cancer, and I totally relate to that feeling of like not getting it. Like I got a text, and I just like put my phone down and like then like an hour later I was like wait yeah and like I looked at my phone seriously like it took me like an hour to like for my brain to like to catch up get that information
1: yeah it's that's, shock is so nuts like he told me that and you know I was getting ready to run yeah and I was like huh okay, but I didn't even know how to end the call. I'm like, okay, bye. See you later. Like, what oh my do you gosh. Say? And then I thought, well, should I still go run? I mean, like there's nothing to do. I can't drive to Boise. Like it wasn't, it was not clicking. It wasn't. Yeah. And then something was like, no, Mal, don't be stupid. <laughs> Maybe you should call somebody. So I yeah. called my mom and my poor mom had actually had some premonitions before, like, really be careful. Make sure somebody's watching Scott at all times. I've heard of bad things happening. She never thought he would die but she just thought maybe he would like choke or something. Yeah. So I called her and I feel so bad (laughs) because I just was like, mom, Scott died. And she's like, what? I'm like, Scott died. She was at the funeral home with my uncle helping with his stuff. Yeah. So she like fell to the floor. My cousins were around her. It was just all dramatic. Trauma. Total trauma. Um, I just started calling a ton of people because I didn't know what to do. I lived in daybreak so far away from anybody. Yeah. And, and, all these friends, these like big brother musician friends, like yeah. Craig Poole. I'm like, Craig, I don't know what to do. This just happened. He's like, where are you? I go to my house. He's like, I'll come get you. I, all my friends that I called, I just kept calling, Dave Wilber, Mitch, you know, all yeah. these people. They're like, we'll come get you. And so before you know it, I had like this whole, it would have been the best jam session ever if it wasn't yeah. a depressing day, all around my bed. And by the time they showed up, I was just like devastated. But
0: yeah, oh my those gosh, same
1: really great. Older friends that I've had through all my trauma, through all the bad relationships, through yeah. like me starting to gig, like they were there for me. Wow, with this stuff. So, yeah, and it's still ongoing. It's hard. Every day is hard. And and Scott died. It was a little bit over a month, a, or not a month and a half. It was a little bit over a year and a half ago. Yeah, that this happened. So it's pretty fresh. And I've also had to move since then because the owners of the house were selling it. So kind of got re trapped. Re-traumatized, yeah. And, but I've done some EMDR therapy, which has been helpful. And
0: I have done that too. Awesome. It really helps.
1: Yeah. And it's like all you can do is just take it step by step. Sometimes I call it the jazz of grief because there it's so unknown. You're you're creating this new mm-hmm. path, um, and you don't know the outcome. Yeah. And it's what you make of it, and you have to be um, sensitive to what you're able to do that particular day or minute mm-hmm. or hour or what's going on around you or how your body's feeling. I mean, I'm still recovering from this accident. So I remember at the first thinking, are you kidding? Like I just started kind of making some progress with this accident and now my husband dies. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. And I'm just like, what am I supposed to learn from this? And it's been definitely a big learning experience. Um, But the thing that's so interesting, a lot of people uh, that haven't gone through this before, they assume a lot of things. And I would have been the same way Mm -hmm. had I not not gone through this horrifying death stuff of a spouse. Um, But they just assume you kind of bounce back pretty quickly. And they also Mm -hmm. assume that it's better for you to be busy. Um, My experience in that I have Epstein-Barr, I've already dealt with looking or dealing with trauma through work so many times before I'm exhausted. I can't. So my struggle right now is... Having to not push through. Yeah. So you're exhausted.
0: Yeah. But you're also 37 and like have to like <laughs> pay your bills. I know,
1: right? And Scott did not have life insurance. So anybody that is listening to this podcast, go get life insurance yeah. because you never know. Yeah. Yes. I'm so bugged at Scott. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, Scott, you suck. You jerk. <laughs> I have, and then I had to yeah. still pay his old. He had a knee surgery before oh this one gosh. that killed him. I had to pay off that because he didn't pay that off, and then this one that killed him, I had to still pay some of that. So it's like, man, really? That is not okay. Just get life insurance. Yeah. Uh, luckily, we had a GoFundMe, and so many like really great friends donated to that. Yeah, and that helped a ton. Um, but man, get life insurance. Just go do it. Yeah.
0: Yes, absolutely. I'm like, I also like. Again, I can't say it enough times. I know it's not the same, but like when my mom got sick, I got like paranoid about death in like a whole different way. And Andrew has life insurance because I'm I'm so scared of those kinds of things. Um, I don't think I have life insurance though.
1: So maybe, maybe she should get, I I don't have any either either. (laughs) I know my dad's like, we should get you some. I'm like, no, who cares?
0: Uh, Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I relate to what you're saying too about like people thinking that you bounce back pretty quickly. Why do people think that? I don't know. Why do people think like it's been a month, it's been a year, it's been 18 months. That's, Nothing. That's no time. It's
1: zero. I mean, and as you maybe know from some shock stuff too, it's like your t- your concept of time is totally warped. Yeah. I know for me, it seemed like um what used to be a twenty four hour day now is kind of like I th- I think in seventy two hour hmm. circles. So maybe someone will text me like you know this because this is every time you text me I'm like oh sorry a week later or like a month later.
0: It feels totally normal to me. I'm
1: just d- okay. Good. Yeah. I'm like oh no. I was like, well, she just texted me that morning. And then I look at the date. It's like, no. Yeah. So my concept, my brain, there's a lot that you deal with, like, with regard to shock of the brain anyway. Yeah. Just physically. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Like, I still wear my ring. And I had somebody, that's a friend that I see all the time, like, every week. But a guy yeah it's usually a guy and they're yeah. like oh mel i see that you're wearing a, a ring are you engaged again oh my gosh. i'm like and you're
0: like how this did you my
1: wedding ring
0: miss that
1: yeah i'm like what is wrong with you oh no i've learned a lot uh i've i've gotten really good at listening to what people say and like holding it in this box that does not go all the way into my heart and i'm just like here yeah. is what they mean they are only speaking from what they know yeah i can't take that personally
0: how do you do that I don't know. I'm really bad at that. Everything goes like right in.
1: I don't I, I sometimes I'm I had some like an energy worker tell me like imagine yourself in white light and it didn't work for me. I think that just all the time whenever somebody is just being themselves I'm like that's a reflection of them. Yeah. Good or bad. It's yeah. Like, oh, what a great person. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Maybe you get in that habit.
0: Yeah. I think it's probably, you're right. It's just like something you have to be remember to do. Mm-hmm.
1: So. But drugs are good. Yeah. My antidepressants you need help. Cause if I don't have that all figured out, everything cuts me. Yeah. And then I'm like debilitated. So. So
0: we were kind of saying like, before I started recording, just, you know, that there's something, there's something about like this thing that I think performing artists do, which is like keep performing through like all of this trauma that we all have some of it, you know, you have all of it, but we all, we all have some, but like, how do you do that? Or like, what do you, do you have thoughts about like, I don't know. Do you feel like there are things about like having that ability to like step out of things that like, feels like a blessing or like, how do, how do you feel about that
1: stuff? Right now with, with the 24 seven trauma that I'm dealing with, it is the biggest blessing to be able to have music and performing so that can take my mind off of stuff. And I hope I'm answering your question yeah. correctly. Um, but right after Scott died, yeah, I did a New York voices concert. That, yeah. That was you,
0: seriously like a week later.
1: What was the date? Yeah. Scott it, died it November was,
0: 6th. It was the week before Thanksgiving. It was the third, it was like the, the weekend
1: before oh Thanksgiving.
0: I can't believe I did it. No, I swear. <laughs> it was like, it was like, it was like days after, um, like I don't remember it that much, but I, I do remember cause like I was in charge of that concert and like when I saw your news on Facebook, I was like, we need to find a sub for her. And then I don't remember like if I talked to you or if it was like through someone else, but I
1: think you text. Oh, Corey did.
0: Corey did. And then you did. And you decided you wanted to do it, but I just was like, how is she going to do that? That was so hard. I remember talking to Andrew and just being like, how is Mel going to come and play this show? And you were amazing. You did. So, I mean, it was, thank you. You know what?
1: I know how it happened. I was sorry. I totally go go ahead. Um, I was still in so much shock. Yeah. I mean, Scott died. I cried a lot, sort of, but then I laughed a lot. You're not even really settled in what has happened. Yeah. And 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 I mean, I I remember being at that gig and I was exhausted. I was so tired. But Corey and I were laughing so hard about dumb stuff.
0: And I remember just being in the audience and like having like you know, I like, I love the New York voices. Like they kind of each individually have these, like, like Kim Nazarian did like my high school all state jazz. And is like kind of the reason I got into jazz anyway. Um, I couldn't watch them. I just like, was watching you. Like, cause I was like, over? is she okay? Like, well also just cause I was like, so amazed. I just was like, how is she a real person right now? Um, and also just thinking like, does everybody on stage like, (laughs) no, like is everyone, can everyone like be extra like tender with Mel?
1: You know what? It, they were so great. That was the first time I'd met New York voices. And, and actually that camp that I do for Michael Feinstein, um, Lauren's daughter is in it. Ella. Ella is in it. Yeah. Yeah. So I had met her before and she's friends with my friend, Kelly. You know, Kelly. So they're all friends. So, um, but I know that you guys had told them what had happened. Um, and when they met me, they all just came up and they were just all hugging me. They're like, we're so sorry. And like, oh, we love you. And that's crazy. I'm like, I love your your arrangement of what uh, I'll be seeing you. And yeah. they're like, we just made sure we're not going to sing that tonight because we didn't want to trigger you. Like they had already thought of these things before. Oh my gosh,
0: that's like making me cry.
1: <laughs> they were like so caring. And I, I don't think I could have asked for a better first gig back. While I was still in that much trauma, like it was unbelievable. Um, And it was so fun to be around Corey because Corey's Corey and, and, and Bron, I had never met Bron and it just was the most loving group of people that were so understanding. And Jay, Jay was sick, like on his way flying back to the States from his Russian thing. And so. I just felt like it was a really. Well, Jay just had that heart thing too. Like yeah. he was you on know, the airplane. Like he. Oh, that thing had had like just or, happened. Yeah. Oh so, my gosh. Um, I just felt so well loved and and looked after. And yeah. um, I my mental state though it was the first time I I had been crying a lot. You know, of course the days before that, but I hadn't even read music or like my eyes were so either Dry. sleeping or yeah. like just not focusing. I'm like, I hope I can watch this chart yeah. go by. Yeah. So I, I actually did like count a lot more, yeah. like do some basics more than usual. Yeah. Um, but we made it through and like nobody died. It was I'm, amazing. It was so. really fun and eat like really classic good tunes. Just the, everything felt good mm-hmm. and man, but I was so impressed with how, New York voices treated me yeah. just as, you know, they're these great jazzers that are like have done everything and all
0: such- of those people lead with their hearts though.
1: Yeah. Like that's why their music is so good. They're so great. <laughs> yeah. I love them. So I would thank you for still trusting me enough to be on that and I man. wasn't
0: worried about I mean I I felt like if you felt like you could be there you would you would do amazing. But it's just it's crazy that you did that.
1: It's crazy. I mean, it's the only thing that like we had talked about earlier, for me, music is such a positive connection. Yeah. That it's just like my body goes into it and it's fine. Yeah. But getting to the gig, wearing deodorant, yeah. brushing my teeth, I'm a disaster. I have to remember. Yeah. Or I need help remembering. Um I still need some help like remembering food or remembering mm. to be consistent. Yeah. But um right after Scott died, like I did that show, I also I don't. I can't believe I did this. Like I, I went. I played with David Archuleta in Canada, on my anniversary. I was so sick. Oh my gosh. Puking. No. I was only fine enough to walk up to the piano and play. I couldn't even do the rehearsal or the sound check. Oh my and gosh. Then, and then I got on the plane, and came back to Utah and had to be driven to Pocatello to do a Colin Ray show. And I think everyone's like, you're so crazy. What are you thinking? And mm-hmm. I'm like, I just know that I know enough about trauma and living through trauma that I know there are some things you have to push through and some things you have to just maybe not do. And yeah. so I picked the things that I could push through, yeah. which would be gigging. Because I'm like, I know if I just get to a piano, yeah, 100% fine. It's
0: weird you get tunnel vision like that. Mm-hmm. I... I felt similarly that night that i played a gig the the day my mom died like going into it i was like a mess all day and then like while we were at the gig it was like i didn't think about it yeah like i thought about it for like a minute during one of the toasts because like the the bride's mom had died when she was little and i was like i can't handle this right now and then uh we were in we were at uh we were playing up at Loghaven, and so we didn't have service so like i luckily like i didn't I didn't get the news until I was, like, driving down the mountain. It's a blessing. Yeah, it really was. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I I could have, like, found a sub that day, but I think I, like, I kind of am relating to what you're saying. There's something that's there that can be, like, really therapeutic about that. Yeah. And I kind of felt, I thought about it and thought, like, I can sit at home, like, waiting to get this news, or I can go and, like, be part of, like, this really joyful event. And it was like party band, but weddings are kind of, they can be really beautiful.
1: Yeah. And there, is, hopefully there's positive energy yeah. with the wedding party. Cause it's, you're celebrating. There definitely was things. on that
0: day. Good. Yeah. I was, it was actually like one of my favorite weddings I've ever played. Just like such gorgeous people, like so kind. I love that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of magic. So Bear is doing a lot of scratching, I and he's him. really he's having a, a hard time. He's, he's like, got an itchy ear.
1: <laughs> he, sorry, he can't baby.
0: I know he's really struggling. Those legs are so long. <laughs> uh,
1: there so, is one thing that actually. Oh, sorry, I keep go, cutting no. You off. Please, no. Um, I'm cutting
0: you off. If any, if anyone's cutting,
1: <laughs> the, I forgot this part. When can't right when Scott it. died. I my connection to music died mm. for like until. I think I had one gig actually right before your your gig, and it was um, with Chris Johnson in Detroit, and my ticket was already bought, and they're like, he's like, Mount we love you, and and his whole band is like a second family as well.
0: Before Scott died, you're saying? No, sorry, right, right, sorry, after.
1: before your gig that I, the New York Voices did. Okay,
0: so there was, you mean between when Scott died and when you did that New York Voices gig?
1: Yeah, I went to Detroit. Oh my gosh. I don't know why I did all these things actually I know why I did them I wanted to keep that gig and the New York Voices gig and the Archuleta gig because so many of my gigs Scott couldn't come to and I was like I'm 100% only doing this for Scott because I know that like he's probably haunting me right now yeah yeah I went to Detroit and and I told Chris I'm like Chris when Scott died like normally I walk by a piano and I feel a connection to it yeah I'm like it's gone I don't even think I can remember how to play piano. I feel zero connection. Wow. He's like, "You have a ticket, just come. Even if you want to just come hang out, it's fine. Like you have a family here that loves you and yeah. like we we would love to see you, but we also understand whatever you want to do." Yeah. So I went um I had a breakdown packing for the flight and so my mom had to do it. I felt like I was 3 years old and somehow I got on the flight and same kind of thing. I was a mess the whole time I was in Detroit um and then we went to the concert. And Chris is like, why don't you just sit down, just play. And I'm like, I don't think I can do it. I really don't. Like, I still feel this, like, disconnect. And I sat down, and it was like all the grief and everything had created a, a bigger channel that was stronger for wow. improv yeah. and for connecting to music. And it's pushed back that stress even further. Wow. The insecurity part yeah. where you're like, do I suck? It's like. Yeah.
0: It's just not even in the conversation anymore. So,
1: yeah. So now wow. I'm just thinking, just play with your heart. Whatever comes out, that's. Yeah.
0: So I was just going to ask, and I'm going to ask it anyway, even though I think maybe you just answered it, but how has, uh, or like, what's your kind of relationship with like creativity now?
1: Let's see. My relationship with it now. And
0: I don't necessarily mean like before and after Scott's death, but just like now.
1: Right now, I'm, I think... I don't think I'm the most creative person ever. I think I'm kind of like 50% logical, 50% creative. And so uh, it takes me a little bit longer, like as far as like music stuff to maybe kind of clamp onto that. But with other aspects, like my hair is pink or I want to do my hair 12 different colors or I want to wear a cat shirt and have my own unique style that's that's a form of creativity too absolutely and so i find that i'm a lot more comfortable in my own skin not that i wasn't that uncomfortable before but i did always feel like oh i should be this other way yeah and now i'm like oh that's dumb who cares
0: have you have you read this book it's called the crossroads of should and must no dude i'm giving you my copy okay i'm gonna buy myself a new one before (laughs) you leave let me give it to you it's so beautiful it's like it's illustrated but like that's like, that letting go of, like, those shoulds. I'm good at it sometimes. Um, your blog is creative. You do, like, all kinds of creative things. Thank you.
1: See, I think I didn't even realize what stuff was creative and what wasn't. Yeah. In my mind, creative is, like, somebody that is just paints fabulous things or yeah. or is, like, a Courtney Smith where he just has this direct channel that yeah. comes from here out his fingers. Yeah. And it's um, unbelievable. Yeah. Um, And, you know, also we're in our own heads, so... Of course, we don't feel creative because there's a process. But creation, I've actually um, been pretty intrigued by it even more recently. uh, I just finished reading, actually listening to On Audible, the Mr. Rogers biography book. Yeah. And I really loved what he talked about. I I never thought of him as somebody creative. I don't know why, because I was a kid and it was this TV show.
0: It's like... You think of him as like the narrator for something that someone else made.
1: Yeah. And it was so great just to see what he had done. And, um, and there was a part in the book where he, I don't know if it was a journal or some notes he kept, but it talked about, he said, creation is agony. And I'm like, that is so Mm. true. Anytime Mm -hmm. I do an arrangement, I'm like, I should quit because this is so hard and I'm so stressed out and then you get done and you hear it played and you're like, I love doing it. When's the next one? Um, and it was really cool to see him as a creative mind write down things that were stressful for, for him. He's like, I don't think I should do this. Maybe I wasn't meant to do this Mm. after he had done like all these things with NBC and he'd been all over the world. So I, I, now that I've like, talked to enough people or researched enough people and had my own life experiences with creativity. Yeah. I know that anybody can be creative and I know that it's hard. Yeah. And I know that even if I feel like maybe I'm not doing the best thing that I want to do, like there is another way. There's always yeah. another way. And so that helps me take the stress out. That's of That's that
0: like improv brain, like operating at a larger scale too. Yeah. I feel that. Well, I think just remembering like creativity is like, we're good at recognizing certain forms of it in our culture, but there are so many ways to be creative. And some of it's kind of this like meta, like how you think and some of it's like what you make, you know? Um, Okay. I have like one more thing I kind of want to just talk about, which is um, how do you think about like art in terms of like your identity? Like, do you think of yourself as an artist? What does that mean to you? do you separate yourself like from your art?
1: That's a good question. Okay. Let me think about that. Um, I mean, there are so many different parts to me as Mel the person at one time. Yes, I would have only identified as musician. There was a time where I could only really converse with musicians Mm -hmm. in theory, nerd speak. I I didn't know how to get along with other females my age that were not single musicians and two. Yeah. I mean, it's still hard. It's like, oh, I don't have any kids. So how do I communicate with you? Um, so I actually started listening to science podcasts, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson stuff to kind of expand knowledge. Um, so I've broken out of that not being able to talk to different yeah. kinds of people. Um, so yeah, at at one point, I definitely would have like... I like eat and drink and breathe music only and everything had to do with music. Yeah. Because the thing is too, it's like for me, I don't know, maybe it's like this for you too. It's constantly playing in your mind in a loop. It's like mm-hmm. there's music in your head all the mm-hmm. time. So it's like, how can you not identify yeah. as that? Um, but now... Now I've had to like force myself to have other habits, uh, and, like I said earlier, I was equally good at sports when yeah. I was doing music, and so um that kind of grounded me to not think in terms of only one of those things, yeah, um, but there was probably a time in high school where I was like, "No, I'm an athlete only. yeah, and i I just thought in terms of that so um it's it's probably changed over the years right now. I just I probably I identify as somebody that's unique and is comfortable in their uniqueness, and yeah. I happen to be a musician. Um, but sometimes I have to take a break from music stuff. Like, yeah. sometimes I get tired. Of, yeah, of you know, doing stuff. And yeah. So I I think I have a healthy relationship with it right now because I'm also trying, in order to keep my health under control and my mental state and deal with with the difficulties of grief um, with this loss with Scott. I have to be kind of multifaceted yeah, and have that. Um, I can't put all my eggs in the music basket. Yeah. So I don't know if that was absolutely. <laughs>
0: I mean, I like to talk about it because I, you know, I've, I'm a broken record on this podcast, but like there's a certain like mystique around the artist that I think is like kind of bullshit. You know, where it's like, we're just people who like, but I do like to ask people like how much does that like get into your identity and maybe more the other direction too, like how much of you is in your art? Yeah. It's just, it's just an, it's just something that I think we deal with in a way that's different from like, you know, if you're a doctor or something. Um, okay. I just have like a final thing, unless there's anything else you want to say about like art, identity, creativity, like
1: I just really love looking at Bear he's, right now. He's a pretty baby.
0: He has yeah, a snaggle tooth.
1: I love him. I'm so glad I finally got to meet him. I know we need to
0: have a we need to have a play date with your with your little babies. I know. Um, I always ask everybody the same last last question, which is, "What's your dream collaboration?"
1: Oh wow, my dream it's collaboration. Just like a fun
0: little sum up.
1: Well, I love the Beatles. And when I was in eighth grade, I was for sure that I was going to marry Paul McCartney. So I would love to collaborate with Paul McCartney. Awesome. Or I would love for Paul McCartney just to do something and I'm just hanging out.
0: Or you would love to marry Paul McCartney. Or
1: that. Like his birthday was yesterday, just so you know. June 18th. You can Google it. I I remember that from eighth grade. That's so funny. But yeah. And no one else
0: is involved. Just you and Paul. Yeah. That's your dream collaboration. I love it. Okay, where can we find you?
1: Well, this is actually pretty funny because um, Scott bought my domain name, MelanieShore.com, and yesterday it expired. <gasps> so I need to renew it, but I can't get in because Scott got it.
0: Oh, no. So
1: I might have a new <laughs> one soon. Maybe you'll have to do an overdub. On is this your later. blog somewhere else? My blog is UnicornWidow.com. UnicornWidow.com. Or I also have a Facebook page, Melanie Shore Music, and I have an Instagram page, melanie shore music okay we will find those things and we will (laughs) stay tuned on your website and get life insurance thank you and and get your husband's passwords for everything (laughs) the end and keep smiling and laughing because whatever you're a big comedy show even though it's really depressing sometimes
0: you're like that it is advice that you live by (laughs) it's really true (laughs) Thank you so much for coming Thanks and for, for talking to me. That was absolutely. so funny. Good. Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our music is by Jerem Hansen and artwork by Savannah Kiniston. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, please send me a note through my website, emvocals.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.